Hello, and welcome to Wyverns and Weirdos D&D podcast set in the world of Fialo. I am your Dungeon Master, Darby, and joining me as always are Eddie playing Tibble, Mitch playing Neris, Jake playing the Fishman, Joe playing Alton, Laura playing Rue and Janice, Emily playing Cerise, and Zoe playing Loren. Let's jump into it. where we last left off the crew of the Polaris assessed the situation after dealing with the attack of the horde of sea zombies and plotting their trip down into what seems to be an Aboleth's lair. Meanwhile, Cerise and Loren had an adventure of their own off somewhere in the distance that our players do not know of yet. So that will remain our little secret for now, listeners. So, as the Polaris leadership have decided who is to stay on the ship and who is to go on the stealth mission to see and potentially face the Aboleth, that is where we pick back up. Does anybody need any time before we go down? I'm ready to go as is. I'll be waiting out on deck, Captain. Instruct me on what you wish to do after that, and he will hurry up. And then you hear a couple of little toots of like the whistle he has, and he'll start preparing himself out there. Guess I better still wear my pistols quickly. They're not going to be much use down there, but after that, I'm all good. Are you any good with daggers? I mean, I can stab things at a reasonably accurate rate. I'll be fine. Yes. Well, that's fine because I don't have any and I was looking at the wrong character sheet. Um, <laughs> it's all right. I've got daggers. Right. Stay safe. That goes for all of you. And he gives a nod to Neris. I know you will, but I feel it should be said. Do your best to ensure the safety of the Polaris and its crew. And Neris turns to both Tibble and Drew. I am always happy to assist. I hope this is a safe endeavor for all of you. Please do take care. What is your intended role, may I ask? Delving under the water, Mr. Neris? They tilt their head to one side. My goal remains the same as it has always been, assisting those who need assistance in whatever means I can provide. Then I hope you do so. And Rue's going to triangulate their hands, and that sort of energy seems to flicker from their eyes into their hands. Let me provide some temporary assistance then. And regardless, energy is going to sort of like flow out of the cracks between their hands and it triangulates into this sort of like a, like a flat disc, but it's made of magic and it crackles a little bit, but not dangerously. And then Roos stretches their fingers out and it just floats over to Nerus. And this is casting Shield of Faith at first level. There's that presence of some very strong magical energy, but not harmful probably that is kind of you it should protect you a while it has protected others on the polaris in combat tibble and i will take good care of the ship shan't we mr tibble always do best of luck mr solalanti and to you as well before neris leaves tibble stands up and reaches for him and he shuffles into his pockets and he pulls out something that not many people know he has, but you being someone who's sailed with him for a long time would have seen him use this before, but only really in dire situations and circumstances because being a natural sailor, he always has a good idea of which direction is north. And he pulls out his orb of direction and he places it in your hand in case you lose your way. I'll see you soon. Neris will give a nod and walk out. Alright, first port of call. We should probably check up on your wife. I'd hate to see any of the creatures that got into the kitchen. That's for sure. As Tibble and Rue go off to check on Kara, Neris, Alton, Fishman, and Janice, do you have any final preparations before descending into the depths? 
Ishman will be standing at the edge of the boat, just waiting until everyone's ready. I think Alton would, like, sidle up to him. If there's no one else in earshot, and just be like, interesting little meeting we just had. Noticed a little bit of a tension between the captains there. A bit with Janus, too. Yes, it was quite strange. But we are in a very difficult and confusing time of leadership. Really, we have two leaders aboard the vessel trying to respectfully lead and let lead. But it can always be hard to give up that role if you've once had it. Mm, Absolutely. It's always feels a little threatening when your power isn't certain. Would you step in if you saw someone doing the wrong thing and you knew better? Mm. If you think you could do it a better way, if there was a guaranteed better way, would you say something or would you keep hush? (laughs) Interesting question. I suppose it depends if that was in my expertise. It's just me pondering, but (laughs) I can't imagine it's easy for Tibble. Absolutely. Be curious to see how things go. Who's going to end up with the position? Or is it anyway that someone else is going to jump in and take it instead? I'm not sure if it's up for grabs, so to speak. I feel like this is still Captain Tibble's legacy currently. However, it seems that... And, like, he's probably going to look around because he doesn't want to gossip too much. <laughs> make sure that no one's in earshot. Neris is doubting himself. Whilst he might have meant it in another way... The way I took it is he was offering the chance for myself or Janice to step up and become captain. Really? Or at the very least have his old position. I'm not too sure. It was strange. <laughs> it was late at night and very cold. He might not have been in his right mind, but very, very rarely we see him out of his right mind. That's true. He always seems very in control. That's interesting. I hadn't thought that he was having doubts about his role. It's, again, merely an observation. Perhaps I'm misinterpreting, but it felt that way. (laughs) All he needed was a kick up the butt. I hope it helped. And in terms of Janus, they are performing more duties. They're becoming more and more part of the crew, just as much as they were way once when. But, obviously, I don't doubt them for being distant when they return to the Polaris, but it's good to see them fill in their role once more. There is also some authority that comes with Bolson. Mm. And perhaps they're just trying to find that authority again, even if it is stepping on people's toes every now and then. Wise observations. I've definitely seen these sorts of struggles for power before in the past. Usually I have a little bit more throat slitting. Fair. I hope it doesn't come to that. I very much hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> I don't think these folks are the type, although you can never know for sure. I can never get a good read on Neris, but he did seem like the type to... I don't know, he always seems to be scheming, I thought. That mm. would be because he likes to handle everything himself. He likes to not necessarily micromanage, but macromanage himself, almost. He'll take other people's responsibilities without them even knowing they had that responsibility and do it himself. I'm not sure if you saw, but once he gained captaincy, I don't believe he slept... For a long time. Yes, I was a little concerned about that. He didn't show it, but it did get noticed by a few. And yeah, Alton's just something like a revelation. Like he has not. Yeah, Fishman surprised him a little bit, and he's just having a little think. Huh. All right, enough gossiping. Looks like they're um, getting ready. Though, in that case, let me show off a bit. And once everyone who is coming is assembled, he'll scatter some ash on the ground, which then seems to disappear into his shadow, giving his shadow depth, which then gives everyone around him depth of shadow. So now what ends up happening is your shadows will help obscure you, helping you with stealth. And then he'll start to emit some ice from his armor. So cool. And then he'll do a salute as he looks at Alton and falls backwards into a dive. <laughs> Janice, like, what was we preparing? Captain, how would you prefer me in the water? Do you have a preference? However you feel. As a person who knows you best is you and what you are capable of, you know what we are trying to achieve here. Oh. What form you feel is most beneficial in this instance. I live up to you. Fair enough. Makes sense. And he throws his shirt off. Oh, I have okay. a spell to cast. I'm going to focus on Zed now. Oh, of course. 
Good luck with the spell. He does a couple of stretches, a couple of flexes, and then after Fishman does his cool backflip, he's cast the curse for glances out. If you need assistance, hang on. Same to you, of course, Captain, unless you're too busy casting your spell. And then there's a big, wide, sharp tooth grin. And then he, for a moment, sort of stretches out those gray wings that manifest, which just basically helps him leap up into the air. And then, in like a really rapid shifting of bones and skin and shape, basically a large, great white with glowing yellow eyes arcs down into the water as his, the rest of his clothes fall off onto the deck. Uh. Oh boy, I prefer Taka. And then a very large, toothy, shark face stay back up and just wait for the other two to, two to descend. All right, I'll see how I go. And then Elton's just going to roll up his sleeves and then just do the kind of like sit on the edge of the thing and then just flop down inwards, <laughs> slide in. And Naris finishes his uh, casting of water breathing and, yeah, will walk over to the ladder and slowly lower himself down into the water. And he'll, he'll grab onto Janice, I guess. Is that okay? Yeah, so Janice put like some like thick sort of cord that he's looped around his neck, sort of knotted so it will not choke him, but it'll be something for someone to hang on to. And he moves next to Neris and just nods. Yeah, Neris will grab on. Excellent. And then kind of barrel a little bit towards where Fishman is as well, in the water. His spell would have worn off by now, so what's the entrance of the cave looking like? The cave is clear. There doesn't seem to be anything within the immediate vicinity. Uh, Looking into it, you see it just seems to be a water-filled tunnel for at least as far as you can see. But towards the end, it does go downwards. So your view of it does terminate probably 100 feet in. Well, I guess, yeah, he'll cautiously look at the entrance and then once everyone's caught up, we'll definitely go in. Yeah, I guess Fisherman will probably stick with the left wall, if, if it does turn into quite a maze-like area. So, roll me a survival check as you lead your fellow officers through this tunnel. Very good. But survival, that's great. Say 23. Yeah, so you expertly navigate through this tunnel system, and utilising like your knowledge of where this portal is, very quickly navigate to... There's a point where the tunnel dips below where you sense the portal to be, and you take that dip, and you see that that dip, after a short moment, leads back up. And you follow that, and you see, glancing up, that there is a surface to the water here, and a almost natural uh, antechamber to the cave that you can, if you are so inclined, come back onto dry land. However, you also see that there are four figures here within the cave. Two of them familiar, two of them unfamiliar. For what it's worth, he'll be using shape water to kind of lift the water up a little bit so he can kind of like periscope, but still be within the water. You notice the structure of this antechamber, it's almost as if the dry land is kind of forming an island or platform in the centre of it. And on that platform, you see the familiar forms of Cerise and Loren, accompanied by a tiefling figure, which, uh, Eddie, if you would care to briefly describe this tiefling figure. Sorry, no! Um... <laughs> I know who this is. <laughs> this better not be who I think it is. So in front of you is a tiefling. You notice that he may be about five foot eight. And you think that maybe some of that height is also contributed to by a pair of very tall, thigh-high platform boots that he is wearing underwater, laced up to the thigh. He isn't wearing pants, but he does have a utility belt on which there is a revolver strapped to his side. There's spaces for several daggers. There's a pouch for what appears to you as a few different potions and powders. And you can see that the little pouch is enchanted with like a air bubble so that there's no water damage affecting that pouch. In lieu of pants. <laughs> he is wearing a bodysuit of black leather, almost sort of soft armour, but it's threaded together in a very form-fitting way. Across his shoulders is a leather jacket and also a leather strap on top of that with a vial on his back. And he has two antlers, for lack of better terms, 
and his angular face is full of piercings and you see that the bodysuit does dip down in a V and you can see it's a very deep V. You can see the beginnings of some scars. That's who you see. And the fourth figure, it is hard to get any sort of detail of them as they are draped in almost oversized, matty, old robes that seem torn and in places somewhat rotten. There's, Fishman, a faint fungal smell that you can pick up on. And they seem to be in conversation, not with each other, but with something in the water over the other side of the island section. Um, yeah, he's definitely going back underwater and signing to Alton, because I know for a fact Alton can read sign, and to the rest of the crew, but whether or not they understand it or not. But yeah, Red Phoenix, two others, no pants. <laughs> Alton just makes a grossed-out face thinking of it. <laughs> I don't know. Seeing Lex or something. It's like, oh god, what's she up to? Shark um, Jonas tilts Nerys a little bit, hoping that he can see better, but he does not understand what you're signing. Actually, we can breathe water. Can we speak underwater? If you if you can breathe it, you can speak in it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he'll he'll relate this information then, giving a little bit more context on the no pants as well. Of note to Fishman, purely because against his own will, he knows what Cerise and Loren are like. Loren is maybe the angriest you have ever seen her, as she stands there silently, not participating in this conversation. And speaking to something in the water, you said. Would yeah. Fishman have been able to see what that thing in the water was? Um, no, because it's almost like an island section. Right, so it's on the other side. Yes. Neris is going to uh, just panic, I think, in general. And he's going to look at everyone and... He's going to try and, like, shorthand sign to everyone while simultaneously casting message to Janus. This is dangerous. We did not see a ship. However, you mentioned there is some form of portal here. Yes, there is a portal. Did Fishman see anything when he was up there in regards to a portal? Or have we already crossed it? You have not seen a portal yet, no. You know that the portal is essentially over the other side of this island platform section, around about where you would suspect the creature that they are talking to to be. He relays that information. I don't know what to do. Do we engage? Do we wait? I believe that we need proof. And I believe the proof is on the other side of that island. Janice's sharky head just nods as Nerys is holding onto it. I'm going to give you time to think as we are going to go up to the platform. Cerise, Loren, Damien, and the Mistforged speak with Silsiesk. So, you are in my domain, and what is your intent? We search for answers. We have a patron who would greatly desire knowledge that you have. Oh, uh, the pretty one and I are just long for the ride. And who? Wait, have you brought others? Others? There are other minds within my waters. We only came as the four of us. If there are more, they are not with us. Janice, Fishman, Alton, and Neris, you hear a voice within your minds. Welcome, strangers. Why don't you make yourselves known? Neris is going to look at everyone and sign prepared to flee and will slowly letting go of Janice swim himself up to the island pull himself onto the shore Janice looks to Alton and Fishman and then like up which looks very weird because it's a shark Alton is just like swearing and is like oh fuck's sake stop speaking my head instead okay I just gonna be like just shrug underwater and just like gesture up he nods and he will start barreling up but in the way that's not unusual for a shark and yeah, Fishman will follow suit. We'll be watching eagerly as to what Neris is doing. 
Okay. It's curious to see the two of you here. Have a habit of running into one another. Even more curious that you're here. What are you doing so far from home, Sololanti? Could I ask you the same question? Is this a friend of yours? I was thinking the exact same thing. You two been holding out on me, huh? They're acquaintances. No need to be like that, sugar. I'm sure all of us will find ourselves to be uh, quite good friends. Neris, Janus, Fishman, and Alton, could you please tell me each of your greatest desires, which the Aboleth is able to divine from your minds? Actually, um, just from my mind palace as well. Um, so Janus is as chalk in like the shallows. Have Alton and Fishman are they on on land now, or are they kind of in the water as well? Fishman would have gotten up. Join Neris. Oh, maybe the last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alton would be by, but they're just behind Neris as well. Awesome. So yeah, Janus will be still in the water. Memories locked away. A trivial matter for one powerful in enchantment. Influence. <laughs> well, that cannot always be simply granted. Not without darker magics. Oh, but darker magics might just be the trick. <laughs> you all seek so much, and yet so little interesting. And you, Mr. Forged, as we have our private conversation that you so desire to keep hidden even from your allies, it is certainly an interesting goal that you have, and one that uh, will create such an interesting outcome if it is achieved. And I have heard all that I need to from you. Thank you for the information. You are no longer required. Champion, if you could see that this creature is disposed of, it is of no further use to our patron. Of course. And the Mistborn disappears in a fungal spore. As this was said to Cerise, her packed weapon appears in her hand. It's only business. Yes, so I think at this point is time to roll initiative. Cerise, you can have advantage on this. So as, you know, that moment occurred and the sword manifests in Cerise's hand, there's this moment everyone else will notice where Loren almost takes a step back and you just hear quietly, Champion. Let us start, well, at the top of initiative. Neris. Um, well, Neris isn't comfortable with that. So this weird figure cloaked in mist said, Champion, deal with this creature now. Champion said, yeah, man, sure. There's a lot that Neris needs to unpack there. And I think Neris is gonna cast message to the Aboleth. If you should succeed, what boons do you provide? I have powerful ancient magics. And he gives sign language as, like, two words. Uh, I'll allow it. I guess he signals they defensive. And that's his turn. Okay. Fishman. Um, Fishman is probably going to be boring this turn. Um... He'll cast Hunter's Mark on the Aboleth first off, because that's what he would have done. But he will also just speak out and say, What business do you have with the Aboleth? We believe we are here for it. But you have strangers with you. Sweetheart, I'm just here spectating. Damien kind of crosses his arms and leans back. 
And he throws Fishman a wink. <laughs> Next is Alton. He's just gonna be like, have warily, like, have his hands on his daggers, um, ready to attack if need be. And yeah, he's just watching Neris, uh, waiting for what to do next, essentially. I guess I'll just hold an action to attack, should anything attack one of us. And yeah, he's unwilling to speak. He seems very hesitant to get involved in this. Okay, Cerise, which is your go. So, Cerise is under orders. She has to do what she's told. So, she's going to do a first level chromatic orb at the Aboleth. So, it is 23 to hit. Nice, that will definitely hit. It is 17 points of damage. She's going to bonus action disengage and go back about. Is how wide is this little island thing that they're standing on? Probably about 40 foot diameter, I would say. She's gonna disengage and head back about 30 feet. An awful lot of people go missing around here. Don't you wonder who causes that? And she looks aside to the Polaris crew. Next is the lair actions of the Aboleth. Can I get everyone to roll me an intelligence saving throw? Eight for Janice. I'd rather not. Seven for Elton. Flat 14 for Loren. Uh, six for Damien. <laughs> 18 for Fishman. I'm very happy with that. 19 for Neris. 23 for Cerise. So 14 and higher is a success. So I believe... That is simply Janice, Alton, and Damien who failed this save. So, you see a sea spawn come out of the waters and make its way towards you and is going to attack you. Damien, you take one point of psychic damage. Janice, you take two points of psychic damage. Alton, you take four points of psychic damage. None of the rest of you can see the sea spawn. So it's shark in the very shallow water just kind of looks a bit as if it's been stabbed. Out and flinches backwards. And then I guess I held my action to attack the next thing that attacks someone. So would I attack yeah, you the would, sea spawn now? Yeah, you would attack the sea spawn. Yeah, so then I guess you, you see Alton start stabbing at nothing as yeah. well. Uh, 15 to hit for the first one. The attack hits. Six points of piercing damage. It takes six points of piercing damage. The second one does not hit. And the third one's a 17. Third one is a 17. That one will hit. And that's seven points of damage. Seven points of damage. Okay. Yeah, it's looking actually pretty sturdy. This one. Mm. This one's made of sterner stuff than the other ones you've fought. Now for the Aboleth itself. Um... It is going to strike out with two tentacles towards Damien and Loren. Damien, that is a 15 to hit. Does that hit you? Yeah, it does. And Loren, that is a 14 to hit. Does that hit you? It absolutely does. All right. So, Damien, you are going to take 12 points of bludgeoning damage and three points of psychic damage. While, Loren, you are going to take 13 points of bludgeoning damage and 5 points of psychic damage. So she, you said she got hit by a tentacle? Yes. As the two tentacles come out and just, like, bap into her and Damien. There is this tiny half-second of joy at watching Damien get hit a second before she herself gets hit. We can see the Aboleth, can't we? Like, it's like a yes. creature. Yes, it is almost like a kind of lamprey kind of thing. So big, kind of weird, fishy aberration. Tendrilous tentacles and three eyes vertically aligned in the center. What seems to be akin to a face on this creature. And above, a round, leech-like mouth. Ross. And with its bonus action, it is going to use this ability on uh, Neris. Neris, roll me a wisdom saving throw. I'm not super keen about that. 
That's a dirty 20. Okay, so you can feel that this creature is trying to place some sort of uh, psionic grip upon your mind. But you are, as, as an arcanist, well fortified against such magics and are able to easily shrug this off at this point in time. So, next is Janice. So Janice thrashes as this apparent zombie attacks him and regardless of his, you know, attempt at hiding and appearing like just a regular shark, on attention he shifts into his hybrid form. In the water, this tall, muscular, monstrous shark entity stands up out of the water. Its attention entirely focused on this sea spawn. Long claws, this long thrashing tail. He is naked, but he's like mostly shark parts, so it's fine. Just looks like a shark. That's yep. cool. Janice still hears no a whistle from a stranger. <laughs> Clasp is on view. Ah, uh, yeah, it's fair. It, it kind of like just jolts from him, like, huh? And then rounds on the, the sea spawn and he will attack it. Um, okay, so first attack is only an 11 to hit. Uh, 11 will hit. So it's uh, 12 points of damage as he just chomps down on, to everyone else, nothing. But to yeah. him, a vital savage bite. Yeah. And then he just chomps down again, and that's higher, so that will also hit. Um, and that damage for that second attack is a 12 points of damage as he again chomps yeah. down into this apparent entity. Yeah. So you, with your sharky maul, bite into this creature, ripping out its shoulder, which proceeds to very rapidly regrow back. And as you go for the other shoulder, which you tear out, but it also seems to rapidly regrow back. What? That's not fair! Next is Damien. So, Damien, who's just been hit with one of the tentacles of the Abolith, he uh, kind of is oofed back with the sort of pressure of it, and as it's shifting and sliding away from him, he reaches out and grasps it. Well, now, Sugar, that just is playing completely unfair. I'm only here to spectate. And he casts Bestow Curse on the Abolith. So it still has to make a Wisdom saving throw, but in the chance it fails, Wisdom would be the ability score. Uh, what is the DC? Because I rolled... <laughs> 14. I unfortunately rolled a 14 exactly, so it does Yeah, that's save. That's fair enough. Damien shifts out of the way past the tentacle and tries to get out of range now, I guess. But Damien kind of, as he's skittering back out of the way, he waves his hand and leans across to Janice and in this sort of puff of maroon smoke, a card appears in his hand and he leans across to Janice and he's like, well, sugar, I don't know what you're doing after this, but, uh... And Damien passes his business card over to Janice, and it's just got the prodigal songs and services with a little winky face. And then in brackets below the services, it's got strictly medicinal purposes only and his magical contact details. Oh, um, well, okay, what, who are you? And that's probably all yeah. that he does where he's trying to like wail into this creature that's not dying mm. and then just like stops to look at the business card. That point, I think Silsiesk is going to use a legendary action to make a tail swipe at, yeah, Lorraine, you're in range. A natural one! So the attack misses. She like ducks under the tail and she just looks up at this creature in the water. And as it, its tail pathetically slides back into the waves, she just spits at it. And appropriately, it is your turn. She kind of stands back from that crouching position. And with this sort of calmness that none of you have ever really seen before, she kind of unsheaths her staff, walks forward until she is level with Cerise. We're killing it, aren't we, Captain? Yes. You lead, I follow. That's what we do. 
and she strikes her staff down on the ground and I would like to cast Freedom of the Waves, okay. which requires a strength save from the Aboleth of a 17. Natural 20. Fuck! Okay. Nerith cast Silvery Barbs. Okay, so I reroll. That is still an 18. So what you would see is as the staff strikes the ground, it's right near the shallows and the water starts to ripple. And as it moves around the Aboleth, it ripples harder and harder until it forms these waves that begin to swirl around it, almost like a whirlpool is forming. And there's maybe this moment when Neris uses silvery barbs where the Aboleth sort of like shifts as if it was going to defeat this easily and then just makes it. And you see this water kind of dragging around it, trying to bring it down, but it can't. And Loren just stands there staring at it. Come on, you bastard. I'm not here to play any more games. Neither am I. Back to the top of initiative, Naris. The Silvery Barb's advantage will return to him as he feels this presence try and enter his mind and a different voice joins the ones that have lived in his head for many years. And there's just no room for another voice right now. So Neris is going to raise himself up and say, We defend the crew of the Red Phoenix. And is going to cast Wither and Bloom and try and suck out some of the life force of this creature. Alright, is that a con save? It is a con save, and he rolls an 8 as Neris focuses hard and tries to use that sucking of the whirlpool to distract this creature. So that becomes a total of 14. That is not enough. Alright. So full damage from Wither and Bloom. I rolled on D&D Beyond, so this is legit. I rolled two fives and a six on 3d6. So that is 16 necrotic damage. No one in the Polaris crew is looking super hurt, are they? We don't I don't it. think anyone is looking super hurt except for Loren and sort of Neris. I have my healing tab open, Neris, whenever you're ready. Then that necrotic energy is sucked from this creature and pulls around the legs of Loren as it's slowly absorbed into your body and you can roll a hit die and add five to it bless thank you okay at the end of your turn neris it's gonna try to undo your progress there and it's gonna thwack a tail at loren for a 25 to hit i technically haven't used my reaction this turn have i no we silvery barbs again all right i'll roll that is a natural two for an 11 total that misses Clutch. Very quickly, does she see Neris do this thing to save her, Clay, from getting hit? Roll me a perception check. 14 on the dice for a 15 total. How subtle is Neris being about this? Neris is essentially what he is using Silvery Barbs as. He's trying to almost send a psychic link to this creature. To almost send it off balance in a way and get it to think about something else as it's going in for the strike. So almost as this creature is striking, Neris is twitching his body with his eyes locked at this creature. So he's potentially got something to do with it. He's not hiding his actions, but he's forming some form of link with this creature. Loren kind of sees this out of the corner of her eye, and as she is gripping onto her staff, she does take a moment to look across at Neris. And very genuinely, she just nods. Thank you. So now, Fishman. Radio, radio. Fishman is going to run up and close the distance if he can. He wants to get within 30 feet. You certainly can do that. And then he would like to take a shot if he can please um that's 20 to hit so that's 
7 force damage because he's using a bonus action to do planar warrior plus 12 damage force damage but hunter's mark he also gets to do an additional 2 damage um and then if he can he'd like to do another attack that is a 16 to hit uh, 16 actually just misses, so you just miss. you feel like you've shot true, but the Aboleth bats the the bolt out of the way in the air. No worries. He'll say to it if he can, Do you remember me? <sighs> Commander. He's got reach with this attack. You're within 10 feet. He's going to use his last legendary action to attack you, Fishman. That is not a good roll, though. That is a total of 12, so that misses. Alton, your go. Hearing the order from Neris to protect the Red Phoenix crew, he's going to be like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll protect them after I get this one out of my face. And he's going to keep stabbing at everyone else's invisible creature. The first one is a 21 to hit. That's six points of damage. Second attack is a 17 to hit. Uh, 17 will just hit. That one's eight points of damage. It's just All stabbing right. away at it. Final one is an 18 to hit. Um, So that's one point of damage. So just going to keep stabbing it and then just remain on the offense of trying to get this thing away from him. All right, Cerise, it's your go. So Alton doesn't have a sword. Cerise notices that Alton is struggling with something and she knows that a dagger is not going to do anything. So she grabs her spare sword off her back, Elton, and tosses the sword towards him. He probably ducks away from it and then grabs it once it hits the ground. Thanks. So, yeah, she's going to Eldritch Blast. It's an 18. Wow, that's so much damage. One. (laughs) All right, you do get your second blast, though. The second one is a 19 to hit. That's a bit better. It's six. It is looking shaky as it goes into its next lair action. Janus, Damien, and Alton, you are all attacked by the sea spawn by you. Janus, you take three points of damage. Damien, you take three. And Alton, you take one. And then it is the Aboleth's go. Damien. Could you please roll me a wisdom saving throw? As you hear a voice in your head say, You have no real allegiances here. I can give you anything you want. That's a 15. That saves. Sweetheart, there isn't anything in this world that I want. Um, I've got everything I need. <laughs> then it's going to do two tentacle attacks against Fishman. So the first is a 20 to hit, and the second is going to miss. It's an 11 to hit. But you take 11 points of bludgeoning damage and one point of psychic damage. The Aboleth also takes a volley of ice shards and takes five damage. All right. Next is Janice's go. Okay, so Janice very quickly barks out towards Danium. I have a wonderful wife and five soon-to-be-six children, just so you know. We have allowances for a part, but I'm going through a bit of a crisis of self-vulnerability. I have a couple of other things on my plate, so you know, I appreciate your appreciation, is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, Captain, heard loud and clear. And Janice hunches over and surges forward with a frenzy, this invisible storm brewing, wind whipping up around the island within this cave, thunder and lightning crackling as he bonus action rages. He's going to race towards the center where Fishman and Neris are currently. Fishman, I believe, went out towards the edge. You can be kind of equidistant between Fishman and Neris if that's... Yeah, we'll do that. So first off with Rage, um, I get my Storm Aura. So a creature of my choice in my aura takes lightning damage. So it's a DC 15 dexterity for the Aboleth. It rolled a 15 on the dice, so that is a 14 total. Oh, wow. Okay, there we go. So four points of lightning damage. (sighs) As this lightning bounces around in the water, centered around onto this creature. Hang on. I just forgot. I don't have a weapon with me right now. All right. I get closer. I'm a bite. There we go. (laughs) Sorry. Probably as my tentacle swings down. Uh, The first hit is a natural one, so that's not going to hit at all. He almost stumbles as he's running, probably still bothered by that creature that kept regenerating. The next attack is a 17, which I believe just makes it. 
So probably he goes to try and bite at one of the tendrils of the abalef and then uh, kind of grabs it with one of his strong muscle clawed arms and nicks it with that. And that does six points of biting damage. You notice there's some sort of mucus coating the flesh of this creature. Either meet us head on or leave. Well, it's going to respond to that by lifting its tail over its head and thwacking you in the shark head. But probably miss, because that's a 12. <laughs> Excellent. Flee while you can. All right. Next is Damien. This Aboleth has just tried to take over your mind. Cool. So he's going to cast a third level Dissonant Whispers. So simultaneously when this telepathic link is happening and the creature's trying to take over his mind, Damien, still speaking to Janice, is like, Well now, Sugar, you keep the card. (laughs) And you let me know if anything changes. In your agreement, I'm sure your marriage is plenty fine, and if your wife's interested, like, um, you know. In the meantime, mentally, the pushback against this mental takeover, Damien kind of shoves back mentally with his mind. So this is a wisdom save? That is a natural 20, but it's still half damage. So... 22 points of psychic damage. And half to 11. With his bonus action, that interaction with Janice gives him a bardic inspiration. <laughs> Next is Loren. She hasn't been doing too crash hot since we picked Damien up a couple of days ago. And this is getting very stressful. She's kind of shaking a little bit as she looks at Cerise. Captain, what does Conrad want me to do? Just just keep attacking. Not her. Keep her locked. I'll try. And she kind of cracks her neck and she kind of starts walking into the water. Like she was in near the shore. She starts walking like into the shallows, sort of up to her knees, closer to the abolith. And she looks over at the Polaris crew as they are starting to attack this thing, kind of all centered around one side. She takes her staff and she points it on the other side of the creature. She looks across at them and just goes, lock your ears and lightning bolts it. Dex save, is it? Dex 17. That is a natural 20 for a 19. Um, Still half damage though. So across the top of the water, Five feet wide from the tip of her staff, there is this sparking and cracking as a hundred feet of lightning shoots across the top of the water and through the abolith. 48. So that is 24 points of damage. It is looking incredibly shaky right now. Cool. And then she does look at it. And in primordial, she says... That's your last warning. Neris, it is your go. So there's a couple of things that just happened. First of which, Alton mentioned they have to deal with something in front of them before they can take on this creature. Oh, that is something worth noting. There is no way that it's saved. Janice, Alton, and Damien, the moment that this lightning bolt blasts through the Aboleth, the uh, sea spawn in front of you just disappear. Blink out of existence. <gasps> so Alton like grabs the sword off the ground, gets ready to swing, and it's just like, oh. So Neris probably turns, ready to cast some form of spell in Alton's direction, sees Alton kind of hesitate and be like, oh, cool. Ah, okay, we, we go back to this. And is preparing to cast another spell when he hears Loren mention a name that he's read in a book. Yes. That's very curious, this Conrad figure popping up. Maybe that's something to explore a little bit later once we deal with this. And there's a part of Neris that wants to keep trying to figure out this puzzle that's just formed in his brain. And he hasn't got all the pieces, but they're starting to form. But then there's still that pressure in the back of his head that he felt on the island where we found Rue where there was another creature that was trying to penetrate Neris's mind, and he doesn't like that feeling. So he's sort of overwhelmed with this 
urge of driving this creature out. And so I think a little bit of that gets to him as he holds this withered vine out in front of him and sort of almost offers it to this creature and is going to cast Wither and Bloom again at fourth level. It is a con save. Natural 19 for a 25 total. On my turn, could I have used a reaction? Yep, because it's your turn, you regain your reaction. Are you looking at Silvery Barbs in that? I'll allow it. I Silvery Barbs, and for reference, that is at a second level. All right, let's see how this goes. That turns it into a 16. That is not enough. So it actually takes full damage. 19. And describe to us how the Aboleth withers into nothing. Neris holds out this vine and this mental energy, this mental fight that this creature and Neris has been having sort of in the background of everything that's happening. Neris finally gets the upper hand and he can feel that and is going to just try and suck whatever essence, whatever energy, whatever power this creature has, this creature with empty promises, false words, and it's just going to draw that power and this energy trickles across the ground as this creature almost melts and the energy is pulled into Neris as the shaking hand that's holding this vine just drops it and takes a step back. In the midst of that, as you were holding that spell, you had a brief feeling of oscillating between your present moment and a vision of your perspective, someone else's perspective, the present, the future, the past, you're not sure. The perspective is of a room, a more civilized room, Ankathair, almost like a meeting chamber, a table in front of you, and though you don't have presence enough to grab any features of the person on the other end of your wither and bloom, you see a humanoid, and the ashes of others. But that is not now. That is not here. And in the aftermath of this battle with the Aboleth, that's where we're going to leave it for this week. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening. And for the YouTube watchers, uh, we're still wearing our Halloween costumes to record this on Halloween. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And if you are on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see the aftermath of all this next week. See you next week. What does it mean? (laughs) 